I don't mind telling you I'm a bit nervous today. You can probably tell. <laughs> but it will get better, I can promise you that. No matter how far a person goes, the horizon stays way beyond them. I've been reading a book that a friend gave me. The title of it is The Culture of Experience, Philosophical Essays in the American Grain, and it's by John J. McDermott. Some of you may appreciate the fact that someone with the same name was the first American-born winner of the U.S. Open. (laughs) This is not that John McDermott. This man uh, is a professor of philosophy and humanities at A&M in Texas. Um, In the introduction of the book, McDermott explains how out of necessity we in this country developed a culture in which experience is more highly valued than inherited wisdom. As soon as their feet hit the ground, settlers faced brand new circumstances with immediate consequences. The consequences and the circumstances were such that the considerations of philosophers and ethicists in some distant land became irrelevant. Challenging and novel situations were the norm, and the way things ought to be done had very little to do with anything. The daily realities were that as the adventurers pushed towards the West, they encountered things that other people had not yet encountered experience became very important. It isn't hard to understand that one one that was heading into grizzly bear country might find the experience of one who had actually encountered grizzly bears and lived to tell about it more valuable than the contemplation of bears by someone who might not have ever seen one. This uh, culture of experience has, in recent times, become a bit of arrogance in some ways. But, as a general rule, it has served us quite well. Because we haven't had the same situations as anybody else. Uh, Emerson said, Every ingenious and aspiring soul leaves the doctrine behind him in his own experience. And we believe that truth somehow arises out of experience. But that's where it starts to get a little tricky. First, experience is not a static thing. Um, To quote McDermott, 
Our fields of experience have no more definite boundaries than our fields of view. Both are fringed forever by a more that continuously develops and that continuously supersedes them as life proceeds. That more that fringes our experience is the moving horizon. If I stretch in any direction or lean a little bit, what I see is altered ever so slightly. The farther away it is, the less it seems altered. The nearer it is, the more it seems altered, but it is changed. Every experience, every moment is inextricably linked to the one just before and the one that's next. Each changes the other. And during the course of a life, that process doesn't end. With every step made towards the horizon, the horizon slips an equidistance away. So even the experiences by which we have come to define our own lives or understand ourselves are colored by ever-shifting shades and hues, the nuances of new moments and their understanding. Nothing is fixed in time. Nothing is fixed in space. Not only can we not step into the same river twice, but the river is not stepped into by the same person twice. If you or I were to sit perfectly still in a room that was closed with nobody coming in and out, we're not touching anything, eventually what we were seeing would change. It's changing constantly. It might be painfully slowly, but the dust would settle. Time and gravity would have effect on what we saw, and what was before our eyes would not be the same. Whether the, whether the changes are imperceptible or not. We would, perhaps, very gradually come to have a fresh view. But we're perpetually different people living in a perpetually different world. And to remain relevant, our ideas and understandings need to progress with us. If our truth or what we hold to be true for the sake of our coordinates is stagnant, we are either not paying attention or we're not growing. Or both. <laughs> Many of us reach toward memories of times where we found it before. That connection and that, that spirit of the divine, a sense of awe, a sense of wonder. 
and and think that somehow if we can make this more like that, we'll find it again. But we're not that person. Now is not that moment, and things so profound cannot be duplicated to be recreated. We would cobble and sculpt the forms that we would find in attempts to recreate something past. Looking outside of ourselves, new awareness, new understanding of truth is never to be found in the same place twice. Even looking inward, it shifts occasionally. Still, I believe those ineffable moments of insight and clarity are part of what is most worst most worth living for. Part and parcel to the meaning of it all in this school of ours. Joseph Campbell said, what each of us must seek in his own life never was on land or sea. It's something that never has been and never could have been experienced by anyone else. And this is the second part of where it gets tricky. My experiences, the events and encounters of my life can never be yours. Nor can yours be mine. And we all understand that even in this hour that we spend together in a common, in a common experience, what we leave with will not be the same. What we experience while we are here will not be the same. Because we're shaped by the endless parade of moments before this and the ones that come after this. And here we acknowledge that our task as participants in liberal religious community is to honor the vast array of experiences that make up our membership. Our most fertile common ground is the willingness to accept our dissimilarities. The asset that sets this congregation apart from every other in town is the diversity of beliefs represented here. We're not here to become religiously homogenous. I come here for experiences of a power greater than myself that I call God. But each of us is here for our own reasons. To raise this church up in the way it should go, we begin by learning about each other. 
The culture of experience does not determine one's experiences to be inherently more valuable than someone else's, nor does Unitarian Universalism. It's time for us to begin the dialogues and polylogues about the deeper aspects of applied faith and works. It's time because I think we're ready. It's time because we can. We're free to do that here. And initially, at least, the biggest part that each of us will be asked to play in these discussions is that of listener. Listening in earnest with positive regard. Just one more thing. In McDermott's book, he allows that after all these years, we've arrived at a point where experience alone can no longer serve us. As that's as a country, I, you know, acknowledge that there are many people here who uh, spend time in reflection and contemplation. You're ahead of the game. In order to move beyond our rugged individualism and back into effective participation with the world around us, we now must develop a hybrid of the knowledge gained through experience and the discernment that comes from reflection. This will require a new skill set for most Americans. But once we acknowledge the need, we'll learn in our own ways and in our own time. Progress of the best kind is comparatively slow. Great results cannot be achieved at once, and we must be satisfied to advance in life as we walk, step by step. No matter how far a person goes, the horizon stays beyond them, way beyond them. <laughs> Maya Angelou wrote, the horizon leans forward, offering you space to place new steps of change. Will you join me in our closing hymn, number 303? Someone might need to find Susan. While I have a second, and you're here, I really do want to thank you so much for letting me have this opportunity and for trusting me. Again, go figure. To do what I can to be of service to you. Um, I honestly believe this is a great moment for our church. Not, not me being here, but this time. These are historic times, and we can be a part of that in a big way if we choose to.